Chase, white circle, shoots and scores! A short-handed goal for Jonathan Tate! Kubelik in front, he shoots and scores! Dominic Kubelik on a belief line, right circle, shoots and scores! He set it up for Carpenter to slice and he scores! Patrick Kane has a thousand NHL points! It's time for another episode of Blackhawks Crazy. Presented by FanList. Is this the game that gets Alex to bring it back on track? Here's Kane, top left circle, shoots and scores! In front of the net, I believe to bring it, tapped it, and the Hawks have finally solved Pecorino in this hockey game. Chris Bowden and Joe Brand break down the latest storylines surrounding your favorite Chicago hockey team. The power play goal, he's standing in front of the net, put the breakaway in overtime. That's one where you're going, wow. Picked off by Keith. To the break and a breakaway in overtime for the win. On the Predator line. Shoots and scores! The cap! It's an overtime game-winning goal! That's hockey, baby! Here's Chris Bowden and Joe Brand. Hello once again, everyone. Welcome into the Blackhawks Crazy Podcast presented by FanList. I'm a much hairier Chris Bowden, the pre- and post-game host of your Chicago Blackhawks coverage on WGN Radio. When we're on WGN Radio, join us always by uh, our Blackhawks reporter at all the home games and some practices as well, Joe Brand. He also uh, hosts sports on Saturday mornings here and waiting for the Kane County Cougars, of course, to resume action. And uh, Joe's just about as hairy as I am, too, and you got some, uh, you're got some. you letting the beard flow, too. You're letting uh, the beard flow, it, too. It's funny you bring up the name Harry. That was a very uh, Harry Carey-like intro to this podcast. I don't think I've ever seen you channel your inner Harry. But yeah, you know, just let it grow. Just let it go, baby. It's playoff, uh, it's playoff <laughs> uh, follicle time. So we're, uh, until those... Uh, those those uh, salons and uh, hairstylists should be open shortly, and uh, who knows if we're going to bother at that point. Just uh, let the main go wild. But uh, we want to take this opportunity to let you know the Blackhawks Crazy Podcast, as we said, is sponsored by FanList. FanList, the best platform for season ticket holders to sell their tickets. If you are a Blackhawks season ticket holder who sells multiple games, get over to fanlist.com slash blackhawkscrazy, spelled F-A-N-L-Y-S-T dot com. Fanlist partners with multiple ticket marketplaces and list tickets for sale across all marketplaces, all at once. Sites like StubHub, Vivid Seats, SeatGeek, GameTime, and many more, and they do all the work. Multiple marketplaces will increase your ticket exposure, causing tickets to sell faster and for higher prices. Plus, FanList is free to use. Registration and listing tickets are free. When tickets sell, FanList charges the industry standard 15% of the sale price. It's the same rate that all those major marketplaces charge. There are no hidden costs or added fees to use FanList. It's the best way for you as a season ticket holder to sell your tickets. Go to FanList. Fanlist.com slash Blackhawks crazy to receive a $20 bonus on your first sale. F-A-N-L-Y-S-D-T.com slash Blackhawks crazy. Of course, Fanlist and all their businesses on hold with what we are going through right now, as we have mentioned in our more recent podcast, and everything is on hold. But pray tell, there is a carrot that was stuck in front of us at the beginning of this week following the Memorial Day weekend. Uh, Joe Commissioner Gary Bettman announcing uh, a plan that had been speculated for some time. With 24-team playoff, or I guess if we're going to be strict about it, a 16-team playoff with eight extra teams being allowed the ability to play in, and that includes your Chicago Blackhawks. And Joe, we had talked about this on, on earlier podcasts when this first uh, idea was first floated out there, that the fact that expanding to 24, it was a 70-point line of demarcation in the Blackhawks case, six points back with 12 games to go in the regular season. So yes, there was still a chance, but when you throw the markets of Chicago and Montreal and the uh, New York market with the Rangers, throw them into the mix uh, once these games, if and when these games go on television. It is another shot in the arm for revenue. And um, what was your first reaction to to uh, hearing that uh, this is all becoming reality with the caveat that there is still a whole lot of work to be done here? It was definitely just kudos to the NHL and kudos to Gary Bettman and the NHL Players Association for just getting this done. I mean, Baseball is still going through a heck of a lot of a trouble, a lot of trouble trying to figure this all out. Basketball is quiet on its end, and football is just hoping that this can all settle down by the time September comes. 
So, so kudos, because a, a few podcasts ago, we were talking about the demise of the 2019-2020 season. So I like the setup, clearly, because it involves the Blackhawks, <laughs> but I do understand it. And I, I also get the backlash from some of the teams that might think it's unfair who would make the postseason if this didn't all go down and now have to face a team that they wouldn't likely face. But... These are surreal times and surreal circumstances, so some surreal things come about. And yes, it's it's no coincidence that they chose the teams that they did with the point marker, like you mentioned. New York, both teams, uh, Montreal and Chicago being huge hockey markets, and a big reason for it, uh, of allowing those teams to get in. But the other thing, you look at it, I mean, if you're a higher team, you're playing a worse seed. Uh, we'll get into it more throughout this podcast because I know we're just kind of generalizing and explaining everything that's going on. But for the top four teams that get the buy, it's almost a higher risk, higher reward because the number one seed could end up playing a number 12 seed in the first round. I know they still have to figure out reseeding. They also have to figure out how long that series will be. But a number four seed could play a number eight seed in the first round. Typically, they would play number five. So it does give everybody an even chance and if you're a Blackhawks fan, you got to like the Hawks' chances in a best-of-five series. I get how good of a team Edmonton is. I get how young, how fast, how great they are uh, on the penalty. But, I mean, you're talking about a core, a good chunk of that core that has so much Stanley Cup experience that is eager to get back on the ice. I mean, why not? Why not at least just... Shoot the breeze and see what happens. We'll dive into that a little deeper as we go along here. There's some other points we want to bring up. We're also going to hear from Troy Murray. He's going to check in as well. And uh, we're going to get some of his reaction at this uh, particular news. But uh, let's. you mentioned Gary Bettman, and I think uh, it's a good side that the NHL has shown. We'll repeat it again and again. Yeah, there's a whole bunch of work that needs to be done between the Players Association and the league in terms of how this is all going to play out. But when he opened his announcement on Tuesday afternoon, this was about setting a, if you will, a starting point that's kind of an end point. This is what it will look like if we get to this point. And I think sports fans all around, you know, there's concern about whether the NFL is going to be able to pull this off on time. NBA still hasn't quite put a plan in place yet. There's been a lot of talk as we record here about, you know, the teams going to Disney World in Orlando with the facilities there. And you mentioned Major League Baseball. This is their time. This is their season. And if they can't figure out a way to get this done, if all the testing is pretty much equal across the board, the availability and um, uh, the structure of how players have access to it, the regularity with which they have access to it, it's really a bad look if hockey and basketball are taking up the summertime when they would normally have the spotlight if they can't particularly figure this out. But let's go back and, and first initially hear from Gary Bettman, part of his initial announcement about uh, this 24-team plan and how he said that everyone from team owners to management to players to fans, everyone wanted a completion and a closure to this season and albeit in a safely, uh, and albeit in a safe manner. Let me assure you that the reason we are doing this is because our fans are telling us in overwhelming numbers that they want us to complete the season, if at all possible. And our players and our teams are clear that they want to play and bring the season to its rightful conclusion. Although we are anxious to get back on the ice, we will not do anything until we are assured by medical professionals and the relevant government authorities that it is safe and prudent to do so. There's the commissioner of the NHL uh, talking much better than I did leading up to that particular uh, soundbite from from Tuesday afternoon. But yes, uh, Joe, health and safety of the players and the staff becomes a priority in order to pull this off. Um, He's talking about regular comprehensive testing. Outside of that initial announcement, he went on to say, along with Bill Daly, his right-hand man in the NHL, that they believe uh, at the point that they're really ready to start rolling once this uh, play-in begins for uh, the uh, final eight teams that are are looking to get in, that twenty-five to 30,000 tests costing millions of dollars uh, would be needed, and they think that they can eventually pull this off from the time that... Uh, they can begin 
this play-in, play-off scenario all the way to the time that they award the Stanley Cup over the span of likely a couple of months. That's how many thousands of tests are going to be needed. They're very confident that at that point, uh, there's no guarantee, it's no slam dunk that that will, that will be reality, but they're very confident it will come to that. They'll be able to pull that off so that every player would be tested every night upon the resumption of games. And that, of course, comes after the steps, the two phases that they're trying to incorporate here. Uh, as soon as next week, uh, six-man clusters of, of players being allowed into team practice facilities. And uh, uh, if we get to that point for the Blackhawks, I know who's knocking on the door first in that case. It's probably number 88 waiting to get in and get some work done along with a handful of his other teammates. And then eventually, if things continue to progress in, in a normal and a manner that uh, everyone is kind of uh, hoping for, that perhaps by early July you'd be able to set up a phase three, which involves training camp, a lot more interaction, a lot less risk based on what some of the COVID-19 numbers are. And um, uh, now it's a matter of, of building all this up, seeing everyone's curve kind of, if not flattened, then sink as we've, you know, knock on wood, been seeing in Illinois here. Uh, but it is uh, quite a tangled web and a lot of dominoes and dots to connect in order for this to to actually come to fruition well speaking about illinois curve dropping i mean how surprising was it to see chicago as one of the potential hub cities we we were talking about it earlier thinking there's no way i mean as of right now may 27th illinois i think is the only state left to be reopened um but it seems like they're confident and i'm speaking in terms of the nhl confident talking with scientists and you know the world health organization that all of this will be in play to set something up. I mean, that's why it was so important to get all this figured out so that when they get to the time to say, all right, let's play hockey, everything is figured out. There's no scrambling. All of that is already determined, structured, what have you. But there is still a lot of other things to figure out. You mentioned the hotels. If we have, we were talking about it before the show. You've got two hub cities. Where's the East going? Where's the West going? Is it going to be the site of a playoff team? Can those players stay at their homes or wherever they live during the season, or do they have to stay in a hotel? Can they be with their family? Can they interact? How frequent can they see the outside world? How frequent are these tests going to be? Where can these teams train? I mean, that's all the other things that still have to be figured out. And the other thing is how we mentioned before, the first couple of rounds still have yet to be determined how long these series are going to be, best of five or best of seven. Pretty sure they're just holding out on that because they don't know exactly when they're going to start. So if they need to play some catch-up time, they can make the first two rounds best of five series. But um, again, kudos to the NHL to figure this all out before anyone else did. Let's hear again from the NHL commissioner about uh, how he laid out this uh, hub city process as uh, part of that uh, press conference or, or, or briefing, if you will, that the NHL conducted on Tuesday, led by Gary Bettman. And uh, here he talks a little bit more details about uh, the two hub cities that will uh, eventually be there from a greater field that does include Chicago. For various reasons, we're also not announcing at this time which two cities will serve as our hubs. Things are evolving rapidly, and when we decide on locations, we want it to be on the best available information at the time that we need to make that determination. In the meantime, I can say we have narrowed the choices to a number of cities that as of today include Chicago, Columbus, Dallas, Edmonton, Las Vegas, Los Angeles, Minneapolis, St. Paul, Pittsburgh, Toronto, and Vancouver. There are no shortage of candidates that can help us do this. Again, the final determination will depend on COVID-19 conditions, testing, availability, and government regulations. Gary Bettman there later going on to add that he anticipates it being another three to four weeks, Joe, before he makes a final decision on what those two hub cities will be, uh, again, the, the mitigating factors, a secure arena that would be able to allow, uh, I believe, up to four play, possibly up to six NHL teams at a time, practice facilities. Well, we know the United Center, and it was just announced as uh, we were beginning this podcast on, or at least revealed uh, as we were beginning this podcast on Wednesday evening, that uh, Chicago Food Depository is is no longer a, a hub distributing food right now out of the United Center. And um, uh, again, kudos to uh, the Blackhawks and Bulls for allowing that to happen during this 
period of uncertainty, but the practice facilities, you have a couple of rinks at Fifth Third Arena, you have the two Johnny's Ice House facilities, you even have a couple of suburban facilities if need be. So Chicago certainly fits that. The hotels certainly do. Um, in-house or in, in-town transportation for each team and their uh, personnel to go to and from the practice facilities and the arenas. So uh, the Chicago certainly plays into that. The big doubt that we had as recently as a few days ago was whether you know Chicago's numbers would uh, start comparing to what some of these other cities are doing because uh, as recently as a week, week and a half ago, Cook Counties were right up there with anybody's. But what makes it really interesting here is that Seven of the ten cities are Western Conference. Of those seven, six of those are playoff teams or play-in teams right now uh, among the field of 12 from the West. And all three teams that are from the East, Columbus, Pittsburgh, and Toronto, that are considered in the uh, hub city countdown, if you will, those are all playoff teams as well. So it leads you to believe that you know perhaps whatever the Eastern Conference hub city is, all the Western Conference teams would go to that Eastern Conference hub city, and then all the Eastern Conference teams that make the playoffs, including the play-in round, would go to a, a Western Conference host. So, um, you know, even though there is no home ice advantage, there is probably a comfort factor. Uh, there's not going to be fans there. You're, you're not going to be hearing, you know, uh, Chelsea Dagger, even if it is being played at the United Center. I highly doubt that. Um, but uh, there is a, a comfort factor. And, and yeah, having those teams, if you're a Western Conference team playing in a hub city that is from the Western Conference and you're advancing in the playoffs, I would imagine they would have to force the, that particular team to stay in a hotel in order to kind of level the playing field uh, from a competitive advantage standpoint, too. One of the first things I thought about was, would Jim Cornelison still sing the national <laughs> anthem? And, and how odd would that be? Everyone keeps talking about... You know, what, what would it be like to watch a hockey game with no fans? Well, how about singing the national anthem? Um, yeah, well, again, something we talked about before the podcast. If you are a playoff team in that hub city, are you allowed to stay at your places or not? And, I mean, you have, okay, so the luxury there, or the pro there, I should say, is you have one less team in and out of a hotel potentially helping your situation to not spread the virus or basically social distance like we've been doing the past few months but you have less control on what they do with their daily lives if they stay at home uh the other thing i'm curious about and maybe you know the answer to this more possibly the united center is a good candidate because what four dressing rooms like you said mm-hmm. now are those four hockey dressing rooms because i know they have the frozen four they have the ihsa state final i'm assuming they could also use there are a couple smaller ones they could use the nba locker room. that's what i was wondering be. yeah right. did they use like the bowls and the visiting mm-hmm. as one hockey one so yeah it'd be interesting um and god these these streets are so dead these days <laughs> i mean <laughs> that'd be cool to see a handful of hockey players walking around yeah and of those hub cities um you know nba still has to figure out their you know what and whether the bulls might be involved in any resumption of the season that could cause a sticky issue but of those nine other cities only dallas and toronto has situations where potential basketball playoff teams may need to use that facility as well so that's kind of a crossover thing and then from a standpoint of your three canadian teams toronto and edmonton and vancouver we all know that edmonton is making a big time push to be a host city but then you have edmonton's rules about a 14-day quarantine from players crossing the border going into their country you have so many players that are overseas uh, how is that going to to play into whether uh, Canada becomes uh, a, a hub city. I think that tends to work against it a little bit if if Canadian leaders are going to dig their heels on the ground and say they, they want to continue that. I've seen various tweets and stories uh, here on Wednesday afternoon before we tape about different uh, premiers in the provinces, uh, perhaps uh, pushing to loosen those strings a little bit for that opportunity. And um, in terms of this this play-in round, and, and Joe and I will, will now get into what these matchups will be. I'm sure everyone who has been on top of this situation is well aware of what they are. But um, in this play-in round, the qualifying round, if you will, uh, it's playoff and overtime rules. As far as that round-robin uh, is concerned among the top four seeds in East Conference. Those rules are played just by the regular season. You go to a five-minute overtime and then do a shootout, and uh, that's how 
the points system will be decided in that. And if there are ties, it would fall to a tiebreaker to the points percentage during the regular season in those respective conferences. But yeah, all that seems to be locked down is best of five for that opening round series, maybe best of five or seven to those that advance to the actual round of 16 playoffs. And then I think they're eyeing best of seven um, uh, conference finals and Stanley Cup final. And um, you know that that and that's just the tip of the iceberg of all these things that they have to figure out, and, and that's why it's so exciting. That uh, I think again, kudos to the NHL for setting this endpoint and then working their way back. At least everyone may not be in total agreement. Not everyone's going to be happy about it, but they have at least said this is what's going to look like, and let's see if we can let's see if the medical community and the the powers that be in respective governments can move this forward along with everyone individually taking care of their own business because everyone's getting antsy now and, and and wanting to jump jump ahead of things a little bit too much in some people's eyes compared to others. Imagine if Edmonton and Chicago were the two hub cities <laughs> and then you see the the fights that go on of, see, of that that's why that's why I have trouble believing uh, and I think Batman did come out and say there will be one east and one west oh, okay. even though I one. I thought it was just yeah. you know everything's up for grabs uh, what have you. I I am curious though how this would affect if the NBA decides to take a similar approach because with the NHL just get first dibs on it because they figured it out first. I mean, I would honestly think that that's kind of fair, but you know they've always played nice. Both of the leagues have this whole time, so you know, maybe even not. And here, and here's the other thing: since fans aren't going to be allowed, be it NBA or NHL, uh, I mean, you can move things around uh, too. That's uh, true. You know, I, I think ideally they'd like to have the games in one facility, and you know, have that uh, at least for game action have. Um, uh, the space and and the quality of where they where these NHL and NBA teams actually actually play their games. I, I think that would be preferable. But if need be, you know who's who's to say they can't play an NHL playoff game at Fifth Third Arena or something right. like that. What one other cool thing that I I, th- I wish they kind of would would have investigated, but I also see why they wouldn't. I've heard once the scenario of rather than. In terms of draft lottery, and this is an NHL, this is NBA, MLB, it's kind of different for the NFL. But instead of draft lottery being flipping the standings upside down, how about the day you are eliminated from the playoff situation, it goes by winning percentage from that day on. And the team with the best winning percentage after they're eliminated from the playoffs gets the first pick in the draft or the the higher rate or whatever. That could so work out with this because you've got your seven mm-hmm. teams that didn't make the playoffs. Why don't why not do a Ron Robin with those seven teams? And whoever wins that gets the first pick in the draft, and then you know just work backwards from there. But I get it; they they have to jump through so many hoops just to get twenty four teams in. I'm sure, it's a lot more difficult to add another seven just just for the heck of it. But I always thought that that that'd be something cool, and this would be the perfect way to do it. Yeah, and uh, so uh, let's really quickly before uh, we we do hear from Troy Murray here in a couple minutes. Uh, go through everyone you know who, who is on top of this thing and has been very interested. Is probably knows very well what this will look like in terms of this qualifying round, the opening round play in, if you will, uh, four teams, uh, eight versus nine seed in terms of points percentage in the West is Calgary versus Winnipeg, and then a seven ten will be Vancouver versus Minnesota. The Wild were playing very well before all of this. Uh, all this was shut down. Then you have Nashville versus Arizona. I think the Coyotes could be a very dangerous team with their defense and their goaltending. And then you have the five twelve. This you know this almost takes on with the Oilers and the Blackhawks, Joe, as well as the way these these seedings uh, do shake out in the East as well. It's almost a March Madness NCAA tournament type of thing, especially when you see the seeds and the brackets that we're all so much used to seeing. Uh, when the brackets are revealed on Selection Sunday, which we have also missed out on during the coronavirus. <laughs> if this all comes to fruition, I really think the NHL should just advertise the heck out of it as the tournament. Just make it the tournament and get everyone, get all eyes that you can on it. I think it would be really cool and really beneficial. And it's and it's not one and done either. You right. get your and, and that's the real dangerous thing. And I'll bring this up to, to Troy when we visit with him again too, is because who knows, whoever was hot at the end uh, at the beginning of March, doesn't matter now. I, I mean, sure, you're going to have a certain pedigree and a confidence and a know-how with some of these teams 
that have learned to play together. But uh, you know, there there is much less of a guarantee of uh, you know a, a St. Louis or you know a, a Vegas picking up where they left off. Um, yeah, they're all great teams, and and it should fall that way. But once you're in. And I think hockey, the NHL playoffs has been the one most likely where you see all you need is a hot goaltender or a hot team. And especially if you get into a best of five series, you lose the first game or two. All of a sudden you are in a whole world of trouble. And uh, things can turn just like that in terms of mindset, in terms of attitude. And uh, I think that that makes this even more exciting. And, you know, we're, we're talking about... Uh, some of these seedings in the East. We mentioned the West. Uh, Toronto-Columbus as an 8-9 matchup in that opening round in the East or the qualifying round. Well, whoever advances to that goes to Boston. And, you know, Boston beat Toronto in the first round the last couple of years. Then they beat Columbus in the second round last year. Then you have Joel Quenville's team, uh, the Panthers, taking on the Islanders. If Joel's team should advance, they could potentially take on what is the number 2 seed now in Tampa Bay, an all-Florida matchup. Then you have Carolina and the Rangers. And I saw these numbers the other day where Carolina had an 80% probability of making the playoffs. Now in this play-in round, you have to take on a Rangers team that beat them all four times that they met this wow. season. And it was really coming on toward the end. And now has goalies, more goalies than they know what to do with. And they have the bread man as well. And then that 5-12 matchup, just as Edmonton might be a little bit concerned about the Blackhawks and their Stanley Cup pedigree. Well, yeah, Pittsburgh as a 5 has all that Stanley Cup pedigree. But you're going against perhaps the best goalie in the league in Montreal's Carey Price, and all it takes is for him to get hot. And, you know, a couple of players that they have on that Montreal team. And uh, so I can understand where some of these teams that looked like they were going to just be slam dunks with uh, three weeks or a month ago in the playoffs, had they kept trending the way they were, now all of a sudden have a little bit of a scare on their hands. I guess the only team I kind of feel for, and I say that lightly, is Boston, a team that was eight points ahead of the next closest one in Tampa Bay. And, you know, they lose a couple of games in this round robin, and then all of a sudden they could face the number 5 seat. But, you know, again... Surreal times come to surreal measures. We are pleased now on the Blackhawks Crazy Podcast to be joined by uh, the analyst supreme on Blackhawks uh, Radio Hockey. Uh, that is Troy Murray, who uh, joins us now. And Troy, let, let's get the, let's get the biggest question out of the way. Will you please explain to our audience exactly how the draft lottery is going to work? All right. <laughs> how are you doing? <laughs> Hey, look at the time. I got to go. Uh, yes. It's late. It, no, it would uh, take up the whole uh, rest of the podcast. I'm, I'm tired. It, uh, I got a flat tire. Uh, <laughs> that is wild. I have, I have no idea how the draft is going to work, other than um, they set some parameters and uh, you know, good luck for everybody trying to figure it out. If it, if it goes one way, I think we can figure it out. If it goes another way, uh, it's a whole ball, oh, different ball of wax. Oh, hell breaks loose. I guess just pull your face yeah. mask up over your eyes and throw a dart at the dartboard. That's, that's how <laughs> exactly. it's going. So anyway, I, we've, we've heard this, uh, this scenario stirring for a couple of weeks now, percolating for a couple of weeks, and it was finally announced on Tuesday by the commissioner, and uh, I just want to first of all get your get your overall thoughts on them placing this end game in work uh, in place, and, and then working their way back to to figure out what's going to be a ton of particulars in order to get there, uh, along with you know cooperation from this virus and the medical community and 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 the government as well. But what was your initial reaction to what the NHL has decided to put in place, and and really put in place before any of the other major sports really has? There's some finality to what decision was made here a couple of days ago by the NHL. Um, you know, for a couple of reasons. First and foremost, the, the seven teams now that um, are not going to be in the playoffs can move about their business. The players can do as they please uh, moving forward uh, to the unknown for the rest of the summer. Uh, the season is over. Um, whatever playoff system or however they wanted to do this, uh, there was going to be people who uh, were going to be on the negative side of it. And, um, you know, for the Blackhawks, um, they're getting a second chance here. It's a positive for the Blackhawks being able to uh, be the 12th seed in the Western Conference, uh, give them an opportunity. But I think just by setting the parameters of how this will go down, if, and that's the big question. If it ever gets to that stage where it will go down, uh, people are aware of what is going to happen right now. They know the matchups. They know 
uh, what is going to take place. There's certainly a lot of unknowns and there's certainly a lot of speculation moving forward. Uh, but at the same time, uh, at least there's a plan in place. Um, uh, they've finished the season. They've moved on with the 24 teams. It is what it is. And now everybody gets to make plans accordingly. Troy, this is such unfamiliar territory for everyone, and I know everyone's been questioning how players are going to be getting ready, and I don't even know where you start in terms of getting ready mentally for playoff hockey, but for a lack of a better term, how much do you think that this could also be somewhat of a crapshoot? I mean, you're talking about teams that haven't played with each other in months. Uh, you're talking about chemistry and, and health of these players that might have been on a little bit of a hiatus. You're talking about arenas, ice arenas in July, and you're talking about empty stadiums. I mean, this is so new to everybody. Uh, Joe, it's going to be crazy, and, and we're not going to know what uh, how this is going to work until it actually you know comes to fruition. Um, I, I think you can kind of look at this as just throw everything up in the air, as you say. I mean, I don't know how this is going to work out. Are the, the teams that are younger um, going to bounce back quicker? Or the teams that have experience, like the Blackhawks with uh, the, the core group of guys that they still have, um, will experience play a huge factor? Goaltending, one goaltender who was hot, all of a sudden he goes cold and uh, you get a, a guy like Corey Crawford who has been there before. Maybe he gets hot, and, and that could be the difference. So there's a ton uh, of unknowns moving forward and how this is going to work out. You mentioned chemistry, who's been working out, who's been taking it seriously, who hasn't been. Um, you know, I think you're going to see a huge discrepancy in uh, the conditioning of, of players coming back, and that is a concern and a legitimate concern for the NHL where they want to have a, a training camp for at least the players to get back into rhythm and, and try and get their focus where it needs to be. But once the game starts, uh, especially in a best of five, I've been there before, and in a blink of an eye, it's, it's over with. So um, it's going to be really interesting moving forward uh, with some of these teams that, you know, would have been in the playoffs are not going to be in the playoffs after the first round. Um, and that's legitimate. I think that there's going to be some major upsets. And I, I think that uh, in a lot of ways, it, it really evens the playing field in such a short series with everything else that has occurred. Um, and given the surroundings, as you said, empty buildings, different cities, the protocol of preparation. I don't know if they'll have morning skates. It, you know, I mean, it's going to it's going to be a completely different ball game. Uh, moving forward here, and we'll we'll see how it pans out. I'm excited that there's a plan in place, but uh, I, I think for people just you know take a deep breath. There's a lot of things that need to happen before um, you put the cards on the table here. Yeah, and we need a lot of people's cooperation, even uh, those who would be sitting in the stands doing doing their job in order to keep this going on the right track. But if you put yourself in the position of as as you know, we just look at this potential Blackhawks Edmonton matchup. If you put yourself in the position of these Blackhawks players, who you know were scraping and clawing and always seemed to fall short uh, in in getting into a wild card position all season long, they came close a couple times. And the next thing you know, they would fall back. But how much how much juice do you think guys like uh, Keith and Kane and and Taves and Crawford, not to mention you know uh, the the, the Brinkets of of the world, uh, how much juice do you think this this would give them if we get to this point and you know, on the other side of things, how much second thoughts do you think might be in the back of uh, the heads of uh, an Edmonton Oilers team that looked like it was well on its way to qualifying for what would have been a regular playoff? I, I think there's going to be ups and downs on both sides of that spectrum. I, I think for the Blackhawks, you know, you, you've seen some social media stuff about Duncan Keith uh, training, and <laughs> and he's just he's a freak of nature. I mean, he trains hard. Patrick Kane has been working out every day. He's He's a guy that loves to be in the gym. You know that Jonathan Taves has been working out hard. Um, and as tough as it was, because for them not knowing whether they were going to be inside the pitcher, if there was just a playoff, whether they were going to finish the season. Um, and, and I think that even by doing this, it gives the players that opportunity right now to start kind of refocusing if that focus had wandered. And I think experience is going to uh, become a big part of this. Uh, how do you react to adversity that, you know, some of the younger players in the league might not um, just cope with some of the issues that are, that are, that are dealing with, but they're younger they may bounce back quicker. Um, so it's really tough to say, but I, I think that for the Blackhawks, 
Um, and especially that older group, um, knowing that they have an opportunity here and knowing that it's kind of a very unique situation um, as you move into this format, if it gets to that point that there's a legitimate chance that there's could be some major upsets and, uh, you know, why not the Blackhawks? They've got the pedigree. They've got the core guys inside that locker room that have been there before. They've seen it all um, and use their experience to their advantage uh, in a first round playoff against a, uh, a very good uh, but unexperienced, untested team in the Edmonton Oilers as far as playoff play. I know there still are a handful of things up in the air, but as of right now, I believe teams are allowed 50 members or less. Do you know if that includes broadcasters? <laughs> Have you thought about uh, you know, calling the game with John remotely? Well, I, uh, that... Um... Uh, that's to be determined. I, of course, I thought about it, and I'd love to be, uh, you know, a part of the equation. And I think it's important because without fans, uh, you know, you have our listeners and you have the TV viewers who are, are going to follow the Blackhawks, uh, you know, the great fan base that they have. And I think it's very exciting um, just to have hockey on the radar again with the possibility. And you could just read social media how excited people are getting just with the, the, the little news of, of a plan moving forward. But, uh, uh, I, I think it's a very exciting time, and I think for for players that um, are getting this opportunity, that boy, I mean, take advantage of it, enjoy it. But for us as a broadcaster, I've heard all kinds of different things that we may be um, broadcasting outside of the hub city, uh, doing it on a monitor. There could be one feed that everybody uh, does. I don't know if the, if the TV would be doing it off the a monitor and a studio as well. All those things, logistics, uh, there's a lot of details to be firmed up here. And in, if indeed there is 50 people limited uh, maximum, are we in that 50 people? Uh, I you're don't know. in. I'm saying you're in. Well, I hope we're in because, <laughs> I, I, you know what I mean, it's 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 what I love doing right now. Can and, I please go? Um, I think it's. I, I think the experience of being there, watching the games live, is is important. Um, and, and I think that for the listeners and the viewers, that I think that um, you know they've waited to this point uh, that they deserve the best as far as the broadcasts. As we let you go here, uh, uh, final question is: uh, if if you happen to be in this position way back when 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 you were a player, uh, if you were one of those seven teams. Uh, are you probably happy with uh, a member of one of those seven teams? Are you probably happy with the decision that was made based on the outlook here, uh, knowing at the same time you could be nine months before you get back with your team again, whichever team <laughs> you may be playing for the following season? And by the same token, uh, how much of a carrot would it have been for you as you play this waiting game Um I guess kind of to the sim- similar to the question I asked for you, uh, asked about you previously with the Taves and the Canes and the Keiths of the world. How much of a, a of a carrot and a, and a second life would this have been to you, uh, especially waiting out this entire process? Perhaps having that opportunity if all the chips can fall in place. Yeah, it's a good question, uh, Chris. And if you if you go to the, the first part of it, you know, for those seven teams. Um, they weren't going to make the playoffs. And, you know, people are going to say, well, the Blackhawks weren't, the Montreal Canadiens weren't going to make it. And, and there was a far reach as far as what they had to do to, to get into the postseason. Um, but for those seven teams that basically had zero chance to get in, um, you know, they don't have to worry about what's going on here. Yes, the delay is going to be brutal. Uh, nobody has gone through this before at any level. Um, and, and, again, the, the speculation, the unknown moving forward, uh, you'll just have to wait and see what happens and, and just kind of play it by air. Things are changing day by day, week by week. Um, so for them, at least they know where they stand. They don't have to worry about trying to come back and play five, six, seven games, whatever it is, to finish their season um, and then get on with their off uh, get on with the off season. But for teams like Chicago, teams like Montreal, and kind of very two unique cases there. If Carey Price, uh, mm-hmm. you know, maybe the best goaltender in the game, if he gets hot, can he be 
a difference maker uh, in the East. And if Corey Crawford, who's won Stanley Cups, if he can get hot, can he make the difference against some unexperienced teams? So certainly those players on Chicago uh, do believe that there's uh, an opportunity here that they probably wouldn't have had. And it's probably going to give them a little bit more of a mental edge, even though there were rumors out there about how things uh, were going to fall into place here as far as what the, the playoff structure would be uh, moving forward this summer. Um, but at least now they know you're in or you're out. You move forward in one way or the other. All right. Well, uh, I certainly it's great hearing your voice again, and I certainly hope we uh, hear your voice again. Uh, what a, maybe a couple months down the road when uh, when uh, we do actually see some of this play in playoff action, if you will, uh, and uh, certainly hope uh, you get that opportunity. We all get the opportunity to hear you once again and. Uh, Hang in there. I guess we're all playing the waiting game and stay safe. And uh, how's how's the daughter doing over at Northwestern Memorial? How is uh, how is she holding up? Uh, she's doing really good, good. thanks. Uh, you know, she loves what she does, um, and I know that she takes a lot of pride in her work. Uh, it's been tough for her um, as far as a social life for for a lot of people. She doesn't have one right now. <laughs> Um, but even more so because it's basically to the hospital and then uh, back into her apartment. So it's been tough on her, but she she loves what she does, and and she takes a lot of pride in in what she's doing. Thank you for asking because uh, I'm very proud of her. You're you're a proud dad all all around, right? Didn't uh, your one daughter do a story on your other daughter? (laughs) (laughs) She did. My my, uh, youngest, Phoebe, graduated from South Carolina um, in the unusual fashion (laughs) of this year with with uh, no graduation. Yep. Um, and like a lot of people, she's uh, she's looking for uh, an opportunity somewhere in the, in the media world. And, um, you know, it's a, it's a bad time to come out, but a, a good time, an exciting time for uh, for her to be out into the uh, the real world and done with school. We'll all manage to find our ways, uh, and uh, the cream always uh, rises the, to the top. So uh, thanks a bunch, buddy. And again, uh, hope to talk to you again soon as uh, this uh, hopefully becomes more of a reality here in our near future. Thanks again for doing this. Thanks, Troy. Can, can, can I just say how much I missed you guys? Oh, stop it. We can't see him. We can't see Thanks the nose. Thanks for having me on, Chris. We can't, we can't see the nose growing. <laughs> Troy Murray joining us as uh, we continue here on the Blackhawks Crazy Podcast. Great to hear Troy's voice and some of his insight and thoughts into this. And, yeah, there's there's reason to be excited. You look at the Blackhawks. They they do – and here, here's the other arguments that's going uh, that are going around in terms of statistics and everything. Gary Bettman saying the regular season is over. Okay, well, what happens now in these – play-in games, these qualifying round games, are these playoff stats, are these regular season stats, do people with certain bonuses earn this under this situation and that under that situation, but you look at the Blackhawks, last in the Central Division, 12th in the West, 23rd in the NHL at the time of the pause, six points out of the second wild card with 12 games to go, and this is truly a a blessing for them and an opportunity for them and i would have to imagine each of these guys and i would i I think most of them have remained in town throughout i tend to worry i tend to i don't know where you know like a a david camp or if a dominic kubalik went back overseas or or oli mata i think adam boquist has stayed here in town but uh with those guys and and this opportunity to also voluntarily start up some training, six at a time uh, with the training staff, off-ice work, uh, non-supervised, some on-ice work as well, non-supervised by the coaches. Uh, I have to think uh, this is uh, this is kind of a gift from heaven for them if this if all these if all these dots can connect uh, for them to have this opportunity. That's interesting you bring up about statistics. I didn't think about that yet. One thing I did think about that it's probably beneficial for the NHL and these teams to say. It's the playoff round, this play-in round. For one reason, merchandise. Mm -hmm. You can say 2019-2020 playoffs, Chicago Blackhawks, T-shirts, sweatshirts, hats, towels, even though no one will be throwing them around, but... I don't know. Another and, but, more money in the bank. Exactly, and with with all the revenue that has been lost from exactly. the end of the regular season, there I think there have been talk about you know perhaps a billion dollars the league has has lost here when you consider about the the potential of the playoffs uh the playoffs also being completely wiped out maybe they get half of that back with with tv ratings and sponsorships and then merchandising with you know you throw a couple extra teams in that qualifying or play in or playoff mix uh 
they're looking for every possible way, especially with no fans coming through the turnstiles, no concessions, no parking, everything else that goes with conducting a live sporting event before these packed houses and arenas. You have to take that into consideration. And um, uh, you know, let's get to one of the questions. You know, uh, we uh, we hashtagged our, our slap shots question out, but uh, we'll, we'll just uh, we got one in particular that we wanted to get to, and that's uh, from uh, our buddy. Uh, SDJ on Twitter is what he goes by, uh, and he very kindly says, I must be psychic. I was just thinking about you guys this morning. We didn't have Blackhawks Crazy Podcast. Well, here it is, and uh, asking you shall receive, but he says, will any of our MASH unit be ready for the playoffs? And obviously, this is this is just conjecture on our part in terms of the, the timelines, but, you know, Brent Seabrook had three different surgeries, major surgeries that he's trying to come back from. Uh, I, I would not think if we have game action in August, September, he may not be ready. Who knows? Uh, healing abilities of professional athletes, you, you never know. And I know Zach Smith, shortly before um, the NHL pause took place, he underwent some back surgery uh, in which he was expected to miss three to four months. And so that's back in March. Now, Calvin DeHaan, when he had his shoulder surgery, um, there was a uh, a timeline there of... Uh, or six to seven Four to five, I, I believe. So there's a possibility that, that a Calvin DeHaan could be ready. And what a shot in the arm that would be for, you know, a, a defense that certainly had it, its ups and downs. And in terms of, you know, some of the other unknowns, Andrew Shaw, of course, he was in concussion protocol. Boquist and Kajula got dinged a little bit in, in the game or two before the NHL's pause. So, uh, those are some things to take into consideration, um, and uh, so we wanted to get around to to that uh, particular hashtag slapshots question from our buddy SDJ. So uh, again, no certain answers. We'll just have to wait and see, like everything else, if we get to this point where guys are once again training. Yeah, Calvin, Calvin DeHaan being injured in like early December and missing four to five months. So you go ahead. I mean, that's you're you're past the fifth month right now. Uh, the only thing is, Calvin DeHaan re-injured that shoulder. shoulder. Yeah, and he went through four- to six-month rehab during that offseason. So maybe the Hawks would be a little cautious to bring him back. Who knows? Maybe it's, uh, let's see how we do in this first round. And, you know, if we could use him in the second round, maybe that would be the case. But, yeah, like you said, complete speculation. And, of course, all this has to go down, yeah. too. And other teams are sitting in the same boat. Calgary with Travis Hamannick, uh, Jacob Markstrom, the goalie for the Vancouver Canucks, who is injured. If he should return, that would certainly be big for them. A handful of key guys in the Eastern Conference, too. So those are all uh, factors that factor in. And, and as as we wind down here, let's take a couple of look at some of the other, other questions. There are just myriad questions that are out there that have to be answered in this whole process between now and the time that you hope you know, perhaps uh, uh, training camps could open sometime in July. And, you know, fr- from a Q&A with Donald Fear of the Players Association, he's not going to reveal his hand on, uh, you know, uh, exact answers on a number of subjects. These are all negotiable items. But, um, uh, you know, we mentioned the at the top of the podcast, uh, Gary Bettman expecting Twenty-five to 30,000 tests being necessary in order to get from the start of the playoffs to the very end so everyone can be tested every day. Um, and some of the points that were brought up, they are confident, and Bill Daly mentioned this, confident that isolated positive tests should not shut down teams uh, or not shut down the tournament if there's an isolated positive test here or there. That's saying something. That's that's really being able to to mind your own business and know exactly what you're going to be doing because they're also talking about expanded rosters here. Anywhere from 24 to some 28 players that has been kicked around. Again, that has to be finalized. Other questions like players or players with family who have compromised immunity to COVID-19 exposure. What happens with them if, if they have a hesitancy about whether they want to play either for their own being or for perhaps being exposed and being immune, but with the way this virus operates, exposing some of their family members to something like this who may be compromised by this. Also, players' families, whether they will be allowed to travel and come into this so-called bubble in the hub cities, will those families then be required not to go out in those cities and do touristy things? You know, those are just some of the uh, far-fetched rules and regulations. Um, and, you know, uh, then at the very end game, what is the appropriate amount of break from if they get this playoff in and award a Stanley Cup whenever that would be? And I think ideally they would like that to happen 
you know, by the end of September, early October, what is the appropriate break until the following season starts? And they are still talking about a full 82-game season, if, even if they have to start in January, knock out an all-star break, knock out uh, the uh, the uh, bi-week break, and possibly having to play into July of next year. These are just some of the huge questions, not to mention CBA questions and contract questions, as we were just discussing in terms of statistics met. Are you a playoff team or not? Do you get these bonuses or not? As a coach, do you get another year extension if your team makes the playoffs? These are all things that still have to be defined, and, and it is a long, long list, Joe. No, absolutely. And uh, and the other thing, you know, we I keep saying kudos to the NHL and and Gary Bettman, and yes, that that is still to be had, but there were a lot of things that worked out in the NHL's favor as opposed to the other sports with, I mean, you, you compare them in the NBA, they had more of the regular season completed. You look at the two sports, it's still physical, but it's still a little less physical than basketball, and in terms of they have more clothing, so you're not going skin to skin as much as you are in basketball. And the other thing is, which really just shoots baseball in the foot, is the fact that it the season did not start yet, and that's clearly what the biggest speed bump has been in that realm, is figuring out contracts and players arguing with management. It's so much different in the hockey world where this season has basically been completed and you know money has been paid or, or contracts have been figured out already. Um, but that does not mean it's not going to affect next season, like you said. I mean, yeah, statistics, you're talking about general managers, coaches, all these decisions that, that will need to be had. But, hey, I guess they're going to have a long offseason to figure it all out. Yeah, the the, uh, the collective bargaining agreement, uh, the, the players um, decided not to reopen it, as NHL did last summer. So this goes through September of 22. But, uh, you know, when you talk about the economic impacts of the collective bargaining agreement and the revenue losses uh, another thing to figure out are, are the higher escrow. When you have revenue losses, those players, there's that escrow factor worked into their, you know, union deal where they have to give back some of their money that really ticks off the players and they've wanted that number reduced. How do you massage that as well from coming out of the players' contracts too? So, it's a mess, but it seems like with what they have done earlier this week with the announcement that was made earlier this week, it's much less of a mess. Now it's a matter of kind of picking up the mop, figuring out what all your answers are going to be, some of these these lesser yet very important answers in order to get to the point where hopefully the virus allows us to, uh, to get back to um, hockey being played again. First of all, training camps, you know, the training facilities opening in Phase 2, the training camps then in Phase 3, and uh, hopefully the, the country and the world will be in a much better place, and hopefully science can advance itself too for, to put everyone in a much better place. Now, before we signed off, we said we we're going to try and explain a little bit about the lottery. Troy uh, very wisely took a pass <laughs> on that. But uh, just in layman's terms, as I understand it, your seven teams that uh, are not going to be in this qualifying round, come June 26, you will have uh, seven teams, those seven teams being Detroit, Ottawa times two, because they also hold San Jose's top draft pick, San Jose one of those seven teams. So Detroit, Ottawa times two, L.A., Anaheim, New Jersey, and Buffalo. Detroit with the worst record, have an 18.5% chance for the top overall pick. But then we factor in Ottawa along with San Jose, combine those two teams, and they have a 25% chance for the top overall pick. So as they're going to do this or try to do this in two phases if necessary. I think preferably they like to do it in the first phase where there are three separate draws, and they will hope that three of those seven teams are the ones that get the first three picks. But in the event that they don't, eight qualifying losers that are kind of be, will kind of be place cards in, that, in the event that one of those two uh, three selections are not one of the seven teams, those place cards will be put into effect and put on hold until that qualifying round is over with and you'll know who those eight teams are. And then wherever that slots was, the first overall pick, the second overall pick, the third overall pick, or a combination of them, then those place cards would go into uh, a factor of, uh, of the second phase of this lottery. And that's when you're playing the waiting game of knowing exactly which of the, which those teams are. So 
that's kind of a layman's ex- explanation of it. I just don't know how much clearer that is to anybody <laughs> right now. Well, I, I Joe's head is still spinning here. I it, can it really no. Honestly, there was a good forty minutes where I took just to try and figure this out. <laughs> uh, I totally understand why Troy Murray just passed by it, but I, I don't get it. Why, if they choose one of the teams that's not in the top seven for the first three rounds, why can't they just repick? Why do they have to wait, or, or rather, move on to phase two? Like I, I get it in ping pong ball terms. Mm-hmm. You know, the the lower seed you are, the more chance, the better chance you have to get the number one overall pick. They throw all the ping pong balls in there, and they pull out the Arizona Coyotes. So why don't they just say, okay, we're going to put this ping pong ping pong ball back and do it again? until one of the seven teams gets the first three picks. Like, that's that's just the one part I, I don't get. Yeah, well, I, I guess that skews with the actual lottery process, those that have that chance to do it. And you would think in all likelihood, but again, we saw the Blackhawks jump up to number three last right. year. You would think in all likelihood that those seven teams would be among the top three that are selected. And yeah, having those place cards in in place in the event that uh, in drawing the top three obviously becomes a lot easier if you know any of those six teams now with San Jose out of the mix, uh, New Jersey, Buffalo, Detroit, Ottawa, L.A., and Anaheim, they fill out those uh, top three spots, and then you know you can put everything on hold. But in the end, you're going to have a lot of teams and a lot of kids on hold too until this whole thing can be figured out and teams are actually able to draft whenever that'll be. We're just talking about the lottery process and the selection process here. It's not actual names being called. So who knows when that is going to happen. We're just talking about uh, how these teams are going to place themselves because it's, it's going to be a pretty long waiting game. Um, and and the, the qualifying process and those eight teams that are then knocked out from this, uh, this play-in round, um, you know, uh, then you'll find a little bit more clarity of that. But you have to get to that point first until you find out those next eight teams. I do like the concept of Phase 2 to where um, the, the teams aren't figured out yet. I, I do. I, I would like to see other sports or the NHL continue on with this concept of, okay, uh, we do the draft and we do the teams that are out of the playoffs. And then after the first round of the playoffs, we've got the remaining teams. Then we choose from there. I don't know. I just think it's a it's a cool concept and it... It kind of stretches out the whole draft. I mean, it's it's more content. And I believe for Hawks fans, in layman turn for them, they have a chance at a top three pick only if uh, one of those place cards is in effect when the the first three selections are made. If, if you know it's not one of those seven, and then it becomes a place card, and then they find out if they do lose to Edmonton in that qualifying round then they would have a chance to be one of those place cards and get a top three okay. pick. Okay. So uh, and you know in combination with that as we said one of uh, the top 3 doesn't go to one of the non-qualifiers but if they beat Edmonton I believe they are then out of the top 15 because that takes them out of the right. play card place card. Oh mix. boy. So imagine so. building up the whole draft all day talking about it and then all right let's choose Chicago Blackhawks. All right, we'll see you in a few weeks, everybody. <laughs> don't ask me to repeat that if I don't have it written down right in front of me. But that that was based on everything I've gathered from from what I have read so far. And uh, we'll quiz everybody on that in about a week. And I think I'd, I'd probably have to be quizzed I, on I it found as well. it informative. I really did. <laughs> so, uh, again, uh, kudos to the NHL for at least putting this in place. Uh, I think this has kind of been our main theme here and getting back in the saddle on the Blackhawks Crazy Podcast because – uh, they have given NHL fans something to be excited about. That ex- excitement cannot fulfill itself unless everyone, everyone does their due diligence as best as possible in order to get this thing continuing to move in the proper direction. We finally started to see some steps of that happening. The doors kind of opening to both uh, the economy, although not to the extent that anyone would particularly like, especially business owners, and you certainly feel for them. But uh, uh, this process certainly has to play itself out. There are a lot of, uh, I, I think it's even more than T's to cross and, and I's to dot uh, for Donald Fear and Gary Bettman and the players and uh, management and ownership to try and bring this thing to fruition. But uh, in the event, it's kind of a concert that all this stuff has to work together in order to get to this end game in which hopefully by the time, you know, mid-August rolls around, perhaps uh, early August, if all things fall correctly, 
that we do see uh, get to see uh, hockey, and I think that that's the most important thing to, to take out of this. And it's good to have some hope because uh, ever since you know uh, March twelfth, when, when the season was paused, and a lot of other trickle down effect happened with other sports, other businesses that uh, there is something out there for uh, hockey fans and a lot of sports fans to hold on to. Well, a couple podcasts ago, I felt like we had a come-to-Jesus meeting thinking that this season was <laughs> finito, but yeah. No, it still it, could be. It could, it, it could, could but honest, again, they out of all the other sports, they have uh, taken the biggest step, the biggest step forward out of any of them. And hopefully we'll have another uh, Blackhawks Crazy podcast coming up soon in which we can talk about players getting back into training camp, a little bit more knowledge and availability of uh, who we know is doing what. We have a little bit more to talk about. Things trend a little bit more positively that we can uh, build up the excitement level at the baseline that it is now and build it up in one of our, our future podcasts. But uh, as soon as there is anything uh, further to report, as we did in our last podcast with the news of the Blackhawks moving away from John McDonough, and now this news earlier this week with uh, Gary Bettman making it official with the 24-team plan to uh, start play up again if they are allowed to start play up again. Uh, we get some news. We will certainly hop on with a fresh edition of a Blackhawks Crazy podcast. And we will have an update from Troy Murray on the draft lottery. Right. We'll make him do his homework well, and, and inform yeah, us all. I don't know if he's going to do that. I don't <laughs> know if he's going to do that. But uh, in any event, thanks to all of you once again for joining us and listening for your patience in waiting for a fresh edition to come along, and hopefully we'll have another one coming along quickly. Uh, thanks to Joe Brand for joining us, Ernie Scatton, Curtis Koch, our Never Say Die, always available producer for putting this all together. And once again, for to you for listening, you can uh, follow when we have another one coming. I'm at at Bowden Tweets on Twitter. Joe is at at Joe underscore, uh, underscore brand, the number one, at Joe underscore brand one. And Curtis Koch as well. Your C. Coke Radio. Is that, yeah, C. K. O. C. H. Radio. Uh, and uh, WGN Sports uh, also will have it uh, on our WGNRadio.com. And uh, we also encourage you to subscribe. For Joe Brandt, Curtis Koch, Troy Murray, I'm Chris Bowden. Thanks for joining us, and hopefully we'll talk to you again soon. How about that? He's won it. The Hawks win the Stanley Cup. Thanks for listening to the Blackhawks Crazy Podcast. Tell a friend, subscribe, and join the conversation. And follow the guys on Twitter, at Bowden Tweets and at Joe underscore Brand One. That was great! <laughs>